Welcome to our first edition of Extra Word. I'm Father James Amirucci. I'm here with John Peter, my brother, who is our producer. And uh, we are very excited to talk a little more in detail about some of the stories that we have released. So for this episode, if you are uh, wanting a wholesome tale for the whole family, which is going to be less than five minutes or thereabouts, then you probably want to uh, switch to another one of our stories. This is a bonus episode that is going to go more in depth into some of our first uh, some of our first episodes. So hopefully we're going to do this regularly. Uh, we're going to cover uh, about the first 10 episodes that we did. Not all of them. We're going to pick a few that we wanted to talk more about from the first 10 episodes. And we're going to go more in depth into the stories and bring up some other interesting tidbits. Exactly, because what we found in the editing process is there's so much information in each of our episodes that just can't be in the final cut and on the actual uh, story. So we thought it'd be a shame to have all this information and not share it with, uh, with our audience. And so I also just want to thank everybody for their support and listening to the uh, podcast each and every Wednesday. All right, Father, so you want to start us off by talking about a novel of Thanksgiving. I was very excited to be able to have this story. Uh, I remember as a teenager listening or watching The Song of Bernadette. Or is it A Song of Bernadette? I can't remember now. I, I think it's A Song for Bernadette. A, a, a Song of Bernadette. I think that's what it's called. I thought it was A Song of Bernadette. Song of Bernadette. Oh, you're right. It's a song of Bernadette. It's a song or of the, the song of Bernadette. The song of Bernadette. And what's fascinating to me, we've seen this movie. Trust us, <laughs> we have seen the movie, even though we can't remember the title name. But what's fascinating to me, first of all, is just here's a movie that was released in the 1940s uh, in Hollywood, and it won awards uh, in the Academy Award and Golden Golden Globes. A movie about a young woman in the 19th century who receives apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which, as we know as Catholics, have been approved by the church. So for me, that's just fascinating. But then to learn that the movie was based upon a novel was fascinating as well. And another detail is the author of this novel, we didn't mention it in the actual story, but Franz Werfel is Jewish. And it is for that reason and for being an intellectual that he flees Austria during World War II. And he finds himself in this little town of Lourdes, Lourdes in English, uh, trying to escape from Nazi Europe and go to America. And it's just inspiring to see how all of these came together to tell the story inspirational story of a saint named Bernadette Subaru. Yeah, he must have really been touched by Lourdes when he was there to promise to God that that would be what he would write about if he uh, was able to escape. I, I definitely believe so. And I also think he was touched by the um, care of the priests and religious in that small town in which he and his wife were essentially refugees trying to flee to America. It also reminds me of the thousands of heroic deeds done by ordinary men and women during World War II in order to um, save those who were being persecuted. Have you ever been to Lourdes? 
I have. I've been there one time during Holy Week, so it was a little bit different than the norm. But I understand you've been to Lourdes once too. Yeah, we went, um, Ma and my mom and or our mom. <laughs> We're brothers. <laughs> so, uh, our mom, myself, and a friend of my mom's went to Lourdes. She was dying of cancer at the time, uh, and she has since passed away. So, of course, we were praying for a miracle there. Uh, and let me tell you something. Uh, I, we went in the winter. And, of course, you know, when you go there, you bathe in the spring or in the in the water. Uh, by that, I mean, they have a, a group of volunteers which march you in, turn you around. Before you know it, you're being dunked into the water and then pull you up and then uh, kick you out. So, very efficient process. And in the winter, that water is cold. I bet. Yeah. But uh, it was, it's a really, truly beautiful place. And though uh, my mom's friend didn't receive physical healing, she then, of course, died later on as a result of her cancer. Uh, she was really touched and was really at peace when she left. And a priest told my mom that no one leaves Lourdes without a miracle. Hmm. Uh, and it's not always physical, but uh, it's sometimes just that uh, peace that comes from God. And really, in many ways, that's a greater miracle than the physical healing. Yes, because, you know, Jesus promises us, you know, I cannot give you the peace uh, of this world. He gives us a peace the world cannot understand. All right. Moving along, we have the Christmas hay. This was the story of St. Francis of Assisi bringing back the tradition of the Christmas crash. Yes, and something about this story that really touches upon all the episodes, at least from my perspective, is the exciting part of being able to do research and really entering into the particular story, the character, the life of the character and his surroundings or her surroundings. And so in this case... While it's popularly known of St. Francis having a role in the modern development of the Christmas crash, it was great to be able to actually look at the work of St. Bonaventure, who was a contemporary of St. Francis, a Franciscan priest himself, and also a great intellectual who was friends with St. Thomas Aquinas, recount the specific details about uh, that first Christmas crash that St. Francis brought about in the town of Greccio that has become a model for the modern Christmas manger. Yeah, pretty cool. It's not, we don't just have any source on this. We actually got quotes in the story directly, the characters and such, uh, from St. Bonaventure's account. Yes, and that's always a fascinating thing for me is how to tell historical truths in a story format. And whenever you find a little nugget of a quote that you just know you would never come up on your own unless it was actually historical fact, that's a, that's a win for the development of the story. Right. It, it's so fun to find when you find these little things that you wouldn't really believe are true or doesn't quite sound right. It doesn't, uh, it wouldn't strike you as something that would happen. And it sounds like an odd detail, but usually the, Details that you hear in these stories that are, sound kind of odd, those are usually the ones that are absolutely 100% true. And it's great, the editing process of what we do to verify things. It's just wonderful, and it's a great way. I've always loved history, 
And so it's a wonderful way to learn maybe some popular stories and find out a deeper understanding and meaning of the truth of those stories. Yeah, because I remember that's the story that you were working on uh, this week or this week. you had a quote in there or a comment in there. And I thought, Oh, that sounds really odd. And uh, I looked at your links and your research and I realized, Oh, actually that's one of the main things that's legitimate historical fact that's character made his comment. And I thought, okay, well that's going in there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's always fascinating and it's a delight. Yeah. I'll introduce this next one. Uh, the soldier song. I've always been a big, um, history fan in general but i've always had a great interest in the civil war this is one i actually kind of assumed that everyone already knew uh i did not know it and you got to explain why are we talking specifically about this story right uh, we're talking specifically about the story because well we don't always do our little addendums at the end of the story unless there's something we feel we uh, need to explain or just something more we can explain immediately that's not readily apparent in the story or we don't resolve at the end. Uh, we didn't really observe that for this story, the soldier song, rewriting the soldier song. But our sister Stephanie got kind of upset that we didn't have the addendum and didn't have the extra information. So this is to rectify that. So here is our extra information on rewriting the soldier song and the additional background. So, now, of course, this is Battle of the Republic that we're talking about with rewriting the soldier's song, the song that was written by Julia Ward Howe as a rewrite of John Brown's body. Uh, she was not as big of a fan of John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. So she changed the lyrics and created the Battle of the Republic for those who are don't know the name because I didn't know the name for a long time. It's mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And then it goes to the chorus. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Everyone knows this one. This side of the pond anyway. So, got to remember, we could have people from other countries listening. That's true. That's true. And so, but, but what's also fascinating is that there was an early adaptation of this tune. Right. We mentioned that in the story. Uh, John Brown's Body is a, a, actually not the original song. It's another rewrite of an earlier hymn. Uh, earliest version of this was called uh, Canaan's Happy Shore. And it's like, uh, oh, brothers, will you meet me? Oh, and I'm not going to try to sing this. Uh, on Canaan's Happy Shore. So that was the original hymn. It came from uh, revivals, camp meetings, stuff in the United States. And so it was pretty well known around the whole country at the time. And then when the Civil War broke out, some soldiers came up with the John Brown's Body song. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. If you read the in, into it a bit more, it's kind of funny because it came about with this group of soldiers, one of whom had the misfortune of being named John Brown. So he, of course, got harassed by everyone else. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because... Uh, I definitely know this song, but I never knew the history behind it. And now you know the rest of the story. So I think that we're going to wrap it up there. Yep, we are. So if you have anything else, uh, if you have anything for us, we are on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. Uh, you can find our email at sonsofthunderrock.com. SonsOfThunderRock.com is also where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. 
uh, if uh, tell us how we're doing. Tell us if you like this bonus episode. Tell us if you wish we just stick to telling stories or tell us if you really like this and we missed your favorite episode that you want to us to expound on further. Or if you have other episodes that you think that we didn't expound on enough and you want to hear more about any other stories. Uh, and, and if you have any story ideas, please let us know through, again, Facebook, Instagram, sonsofthunderrock.com. Thank you, Father. Thank you, John Peter. And we will see you next time each Wednesday for another episode of That's the Word.